Let's join our hearts together now and pray. O Lord, our God, we do confess with the psalmist that we praise your name. We give thanks to, to you, O Lord, for you are good, for your steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord and declare all his praise? Lord, certainly we could not. We could not recount all of your mighty deeds, Lord. And so we thank you that you are the God who saves his people, that you are the God who shows mercy in the face of sin. Lord, that you are the God who, who gives in abundance the, the grace that we so desperately need. And Lord, as we gather together tonight to, to give you thanks and praise, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us for this. We need your help. Lord, we, we cannot do these things apart from your help. Uh, but Lord, you delight in the prayers of your people. You delight in the fragrant offering that is this sacrifice of praise that we offer to you tonight. And so, Lord... Work your will in us that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. Lord, we pray these things in, in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, House of the Lord, and come thou fount, come thou king.
You may be seated. Well, our meditations for this evening are going to come from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. Fairly short verses, easy to remember, uh, but still powerful in the effect that they can have on our lives. This is the Word of God. Rejoice always. So far, the reading of God's Word. What is the primary mood of the Christian life? A number of answers might be proposed based off of your life experience, what's what's going on in your life, or maybe what you were taught in the church, or maybe not taught. Uh, But if you read through Paul's letters, I think again and again you would come to the answer that joy, joy is the fundamental mood of the Christian. And to be clear, that, that doesn't mean that we don't ever experience grief or discouragement or sadness. And yet, underlining all of this is a deep foundation of joy. Over 50 times, Paul refers to joy in his letters, and he even refers to his ministry among the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians as being a ministry for them, with them, for their joy. He labored for their joy. And we see this emphasis later reflected in in the Westminster Shorter Catechism that defines our, our chief purpose in life as glorifying and enjoying God forever. Because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we can have joy always. Verse 16 reflects this emphasis as, as Paul gives a, a, a triplet of commandments, uh, commands that, that are meant to reflect the peace that comes from the grace of Christ. Paul leads with rejoice always. And, and I want to unpack two things that these two brief words mean for our joy in the Christian life. First, Paul says rejoice always. The actual ordering in the Greek is actually always rejoice. He places emphasis on the always by putting it first. In every situation, in every time, find joy. This is incredible considering what was happening in Thessalonica. If you were to read through 1 Thessalonians, what you would see is this church is facing harsh persecution They've been separated by, from Paul, who was, for, for, for all intents and purposes, their, their church planting pastor. And then they're having to deal with the death of brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're unsure of what happens afterwards. Despite these hardships, Paul tells them to rejoice. How is that possible? The whole, of the, the whole point of his letter has been to encourage these saints that, that Christ is still at work in the midst of these hardships and that, that in the end, Christ will return to wrong every right and to bring the victory that they have been longing for. And maybe you can relate to that. You feel beat down. You're uncertain. And what you need to know tonight is Christ is at work in these things and that Christ will come again to make all things right. It's for that reason you can have joy. You can always rejoice. 
We see this reflected in Christ himself, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And even though he experienced pain and and despising the shame, we we see that, that he still had joy. The Christian's joy is Christ himself. Christ seated above all sin and suffering. And that's why we can rejoice. Always. The second matter to note here in this passage is is slightly hidden in our English versions. Let me give you the Texas literal version, which is, All y'all always rejoice. The idea of this exhortation to rejoice is that it's, it's something that's meant to be corporate. This isn't just my private joy that I have and I keep for myself. No, this is meant to be a community of joy, of, of rejoicing together and taking delight in what the Lord is doing in each of our lives. This is not meant to be artificial or, in, or simplistic, but, but meant to lead us to, to marvel at the Lord who, who saves such a diverse body as us who saves sinners such as us and ultimately will accomplish his victory through his church. That encourages us to greater joy. That presses us forward in the midst of hardships. One of the the tangible ways we get to do that is is services like these, where we get to hear the testimony of of the, the incredible ways that the Lord has been at work in our lives. Uh, here in a minute, I'm going to, or here, here in a second, I'm going to ask Pam Rosendahl to come up and share what the Lord has been doing in her life. But I'd also encourage a few of you to be thinking uh, about how has the Lord been at work in your life that you might lead us all into rejoicing together. So Pam, would you come up and, and lead us to joy? That was a pretty good introduction to what I prepared. This year, Jeff and I were blessed with our fourth son-in-law, which officially made us empty nesters, except our nest isn't really empty. Um, We're also very thankful for three precious grandsons. We started out with four girls, and now the boys outnumber them. We're so thankful that our daughters and their spouses love the Lord and have put their faith in him as their savior. Sometimes pain and sorrow comes before joy, as it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I would like to think that our joy is more full when it follows suffering. Romans 8, verse 18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Most of you know that last year I received a cancer diagnosis quite unexpectedly. I am so very thankful that it was able to be completely removed after a five-hour surgery in January of this year. I am thankful for the help and encouragement I received through cards 
and gifts and meals from family and friends, including the people of Redeemer. Some even went out of their way to donate blood for me. I am especially thankful for my dear friend Greta, who stayed by my side through it all. She was there during my oncologist meeting so that she could ask all the right questions that I did not know to ask. She brought me to appointments, and on the day of surgery, Jeff was sick, so she gladly stepped in to get me through the day, which started early in the morning until later that night, keeping my family informed throughout the day. My recovery required about a month of care with drains and dressings and shots, and Greta came to my home just about every morning to be my nurse with her cheerful spirit that we all know and love. She truly was the hands and feet of Jesus to me, and I am so very thankful for her. I am also thankful that Jenna was still living at home and was able to care for me when Greta was not around. Jenna showed a God-given strength that I didn't know she had. Also, I can't leave out Jeff and Kaylee, who were also there for me despite work and kids. God got me through a very difficult time by giving me the care and encouragement that I needed, including the time that I was able to see a rainbow outside of the room when I walked into the room for my PET scan, for which I am very thankful. There is one other thing that I would like to point out. Following surgery, I had an appointment to receive my results, whether they were able to completely remove the cancer and whether it was in the lymph nodes, etc. I was preparing my heart to hear that I would need chemo and or radiation, but they gave me the good news and read the list of areas that were tested and each item that was read was followed by the word negative. I can't tell you how relieved I felt. A burden was lifted in that moment. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I cannot help but think that this is how it will feel as we stand before the judgment seat of God and hear not guilty, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We can all rejoice in that Jesus took the punishment that we deserved on himself on the cross so that we might be relieved of our burden of sin and not be condemned to hell and eternal darkness but instead hear those words, not guilty, and be blessed with eternal life, a life full of joy with no more suffering or pain or broken relationships or lost loved ones or financial burdens or sickness, where Satan is defeated and sin and evil no longer exists. As believers in Christ, we all have reason to rejoice. Wonderful. Would someone else like to, to share? As we think about reasons to rejoice, what are you particularly thankful for? Have you considered some of the basic things that God has given us that we just take for granted? What was God's very first act of creation? Genesis 1, 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. 
Are you thankful for light? Does it mean anything to you, that gift? I'm sure it does. Let me just touch on a few verses that talk about light. There's well over a hundred verses that refer to light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That, I'm sure, most of you know well. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And we see the fulfillment of that. In John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God's gift. Are you thankful? I'm going to give you a number, and if you've got something to write on, you might want to write this number down. And we'll talk about what this is. 299-792-458. Anyone know what that is? It's a very important number, and it's an exact number. It happens to be a physical constant, one of the very few that we know exactly. It is the speed of light in a vacuum and measured in meters per second. Why is this important? This fixes our units of, of distance and time. And that is how we can learn about our universe, what God has created. As we look out into space, we can measure things because the speed of light is fixed. Your GPS depends on that, and so does the manufacturing of microchips. Those have constraints because of the speed of light. But what has God said about this? He's given us this very real and positive thing. Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are without excuse, but if we know the Lord, let us give thanks. Give God thanks for this wonderful gift. Are you living in the light he has given you? Thank him for the future city that he has prepared for us. It says, we have no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Nine and a half years ago, Ellen and I were in a church, and we were uh, kind of stuck. The church was going south, and... We were 
driving down uh, Fulton Street one night and decided to stop in here. Uh, the church was fairly new. It used to be a gravel pit and rather an eyesore, and then it became made into an oasis. So we thought we'd better check it out. And we pulled in, and right there in the driveway, the first thing we saw lit up was that rock for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I said to Al, something good is happening here. Indeed, indeed. Well, we decided to make a cold call. We came here and uh, immediately we were struck by the presence of the Lord in the worship here. And we've been here ever since. But it's the people that make it up, the Bruniuses, and the Corhorns were very instrumental in our just getting connected. They might not even know that, but they, they were. They have been. And what blessed people. Well, we thank God for his Redeemer and his light in this place. Give God the glory. Amen. Well, for, for right now, we're going we're gonna to stop with the testimonies. We're going to stand and sing Psalm 34, Taste and See. Please stand.
singing. Please be seated. Well, we come now to our next very short verse. It is verse 17, pray without ceasing. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking to God. Now, he talks to us through his word, and we talk back to him through prayer. That's the dialogue that we have. Now, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven. And I think one of the greatest motivators that we can have in prayer is understanding who it is that we're talking to. He is our heavenly Father. And so if we think of our great God, first of all, as heavenly, we recognize that he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, that he is everywhere present, that he is always able to answer our prayer. There is nothing that God does that can ever be frustrated. He's never confused. He's never too weak to answer our prayers. There's absolutely nothing that exists in the entire universe that can stop God from answering our prayers. And so we may wonder, why doesn't he answer all of our prayers in the way that we are hoping? Well, not only is God heavenly and all-powerful, but he is also our Father. And as a loving and gracious Father, he is not only able to answer our prayers, he is willing to answer our prayers. As our Father, he is fully committed to doing what is best for us. And when we think about uh, parents, our own parents, we think about, for those of us that are parents, you know, we are very willing to help our children and care for them and do the things that are best for them. But that doesn't always mean doing everything that they ask us to do because we want to do what is best for them as those that are wiser than them at their ages we're able to understand that and obviously our heavenly father knowing all things knows what is best for us as well and so when we think about um, the most essential element of prayer the heart of coming to our God is holding whatever we're asking with open hands and saying Lord not my will but yours be done. And so we can be motivated that our Heavenly Father is both able and willing to answer our prayers for our good and for His glory. But this is not just a commandment to pray, it's to pray without ceasing. And I can't think of a better uh, biblical illustration than thinking about the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, It says in Luke chapter 18, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So as we see even from this story, our persistent prayers demonstrate our faith in God's timing. That he knows exactly what to do and when to do it far better than we do. And so we can be asking him to do certain things, but we 
persist in asking because we know that what we're asking for is according to his will, according to his word. And so we have to trust his timing. Maybe we're praying for healing, right? God will answer that prayer, yes, for every single Christian. It's just a matter of when. It could be in the resurrection body that we get that answer. But we're just trusting his timing. We could be praying for the salvation of a family member or friend, knowing that is God's will, but we're holding it with hands open, saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And so when we learn that persistent laboring in prayer builds our faith muscles, right? It helps us to recognize trusting the Lord. We will pray without ceasing because it is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is interceding for us at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. We demonstrate his love when we pray without ceasing because he is always there to intercede for us because he prays for us without ceasing. We rejoice in that wonderful truth tonight, and we have the opportunity to rejoice in answered prayer as we hear testimony of one another. Uh, I would just point out that this is not the only time during the year that you get to rejoice in answered prayer. Maybe you keep a prayer journal, and you can reflect on times in the past part of your life that you can think about God's answer to prayer. Maybe in your life group, somebody is recording the prayers of your life group, and you can spend some time reflecting on what did God do in the last year uh, for our group in answering prayers just a great thing. We get to do this uh, not just on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, but other times as well. But tonight, uh, Carolyn Como is going to come up, and you can come at this time uh, to share how God is answering prayer uh, in her life. And uh, we've been praying uh, for you and for your brother. Boy, there's joy in the house of the Lord, and we won't be quiet, right? (laughs) That got to me tonight. There have been a couple of occasions in my life where uh, God answered prayers in ways that were just unbelievable. I will make just a quick mention of one, and then I'll go on to the story about my brother. But I have a 52-year-old son who 10 years ago was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Today, 10 years out, he is well, healthy, no sign of disease in his body. I wore out flooring in my house, pacing, praying, crying, pleading with the Lord for his life. Oh, my, how richly we were blessed. And does God answer prayer? Absolutely. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait, but he answers. On to my brother Dave. On April 19 of this year, my youngest brother, my baby brother, Dave Miedema, had a terrible bicycle accident. He's, a, he's an athlete. He's a veteran bicycler with 90,000 lifetime miles behind him, a lot of it long distance. But it happened. He was not far from home on the White Pine Trail, uh, just a little north of Cedar Springs, when he, uh, he struck a tree that was low-hanging over the trail. He did not see it in time to avoid hitting it. Uh, he had to brake fast and hard and went over the handlebars of the bicycle. His feet were still secured um, into the pedals. He struck his head on the way down and ended up face first on the asphalt, unconscious. In the Lord's providence, there was an eyewitness to this accident. And this gentleman didn't leave. He went to see what kind of help uh, the the person who went off the bicycle might need. 
and he found Dave unconscious. Thankfully, he knew not to touch him or move him. But he spoke to him, and Dave eventually responded to him and was able to tell him how to call his wife uh, to let her know. This gentleman called 911, stayed with him, sat on the pavement, stayed with him until the rescue squad came. Dave has recollection of that, and he said that this gentleman, who really, in my mind, is the epitome of a good Samaritan, got him through this point where he was in just terrible pain, unable to move his own body at all. He said this gentleman stayed and talked with him until the ambulance came. He said he had the most wonderful voice, just soothing, calm, and kept him calm. They took him to the hospital. He went to Spectrum Butterworth into the emergency room there. He was fully awake by the time he got there. And he remembers uh, being on the, on the stretcher, having people on each side of that stretcher and somebody pushing it quite rapidly down the hall. He said, just like you see in the dramas on TV. He still was unable to move any part of his body. Um, when my sister-in-law got there, what she heard first from one of the docs was, this does not look good. Um, at that point, Dave really was a quadriplegic. He went to surgery the very next day. We were blessed with just absolutely the best doctors you, you would hope to have. They took him to surgery the next day. They did a fusion of the cervical vertebrae in his neck, uh, C3 through 6, uh, he still didn't have any purposeful movement in legs or, up, or upper extremities, and uh, he had no feeling in his feet or his legs either. The next part of, of the story takes him to Mary Freebed. They were transferred him as soon as it was uh, feasible to move him, uh, and he was there for six weeks of very intensive rehab. Uh, the therapists were very surprised to find that even on admission, after all of the trauma and the surgery, he had a very strong core and legs. And that was much to his advantage during the rehab process. He stayed there for six weeks and was discharged home. Um, so we'll fast forward a bit here. He was able to walk uh, a short distance spent some time in a wheelchair at home, but couldn't get out of it fast enough. Uh, he had an upright walker, which allowed him a lot more freedom. He had wonderful friends who came and took care of his property, his yard, everything. It relieved his wife as much as possible of the, the chores that Dave would normally have assumed. He progressed through the process of, of of uh, outpatient therapy, both at home and then going back to Mary Freebed for more therapy. Today, he walks without any assistive devices. His gait is a little bit stiff. If you could see him walk, you'd know something wasn't quite right. Um, he, proud, he told me very proudly one day, I have a new nickname. And I said, oh my goodness, what? He said, lurch. And that's kind of how it looked. He never lost his sense of humor. Uh, he has he regained the the use of his upper extremities. He's got good range of motion. The one thing that still is lacking are the fine motor skills. A lot has come back, but it's not complete yet. He is the most proud right now of the fact that 
he passed the road test to get his driver's license reinstated, and he passed the more stringent test that his wife put him through on the road to make sure that she could trust him with her car. This is the story of Dave Miedema. We put out so many calls for prayer, and we know that there were many, many people praying for him through the time of his, his journey. Uh, this is, of course, something that we didn't expect, but nothing surprises God. Does he answer prayer? Yeah, there were a lot of prayers going up in his behalf. He could have died on that trail had not this gentleman seen him hit the tree. Um, and the doctors weren't sure, even when he came into the emergency room, if he was going to make it. But we are so grateful to God for answered prayer. Does he answer prayer? Absolutely. My family, my sibs, all of us can testify that. We've seen it in some pretty dramatic ways. And all I can say is, to God be the glory. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for helping us to rejoice uh, with you in that answered prayer. Who else has maybe a, a answer to prayer, something that, you know, God's protection, God's healing and help? Come on up, brother. My name is Bob Davison. Some of you know me. We've been here at uh, Redeemer for three years now, and I'd like to share the rejoicing and the joy I've had in the past months. Uh, October the 4th, I had the privilege of having my left knee chopped to pieces and replaced with a new miraculous piece of hardware. Uh, it wasn't easy for me, and it's still not. I'm having a lot of difficulties. But anyway, that's not what the story is all about. Uh, I have to tell you the prayers that this congregation has shed over me has been incredible. When I went into surgery, I knew that he was with me. He was there. And I want to thank you, all of you who prayed for me. Thank you so much. The meals that I got <laughs> in the first three days after the surgery, we had more food in the freezer than we could possibly have consumed in a month's time. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, and the visits from my Christian family to come and sit beside my bed and talk and visit and make light of the whole situation. To those prayers coming from those folks, thank you. Thank you all. And, and, and this miraculous snow that we had, we had a couple come, a father and a daughter, they came and removed the snow from my driveway. Now, my driveway is not a little driveway. It's big enough in one area to park five cars side by side. They came and they cleared the snow and they even put a path down to the chicken coop. They did such a great job. A couple days later, guess what? They came back again and removed the second big layer of snow from the same place. Thank you so much for doing that for us. There's no way we could have done that, even the slightest part of it. Before the snow and everything else, and, and, and right directly after the, uh, the surgery, a friend came and removed the leaves from my lawn three times. Because we've got trees that like to spread out over a period of time. And he came and removed those leaves three times. 
Wonderful, wonderful. There's a little girl in this congregation. <laughs> I like to call her the flower girl because a lot of the time she comes and she brings bunches of flowers, flowers that were going to be thrown away where she works, and she brings them, she shares them. And she brought a very special gift of a flower just for me. Such a wonderful, wonderful thought. Now, most out of all this thing, I've talked about the things this congregation has done, but I want to amplify one particular person, my wife. You talk about somebody with prayer, somebody with concern. This lady bathed me, got me in the shower. She put up with my moanings and my groanings. She was there in the night when they, they warned, the, the, the doctor warned us to make sure he has somebody with him after this surgery. She's been there for this, you know, for this period of time, setting aside everything else to take care of me. All of these things I give God glory for. Now, this Christian family is so powerful in its love. I want to thank you. I want to praise God for the joyful gift that you have given me and my family. Thank you so much, Bob. We really appreciate the stories and the way that God is at work uh, throughout our congregation. We're going to take this time now to uh, sing together 10,000 reasons. As we've heard a number of them, now we have 10,000 more we get to sing about. Let's stand together.
from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, these words. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One of my strongest childhood memories is going with my parents to Minneapolis, to the big city. We were probably there to watch a Twins game. They were very poor, very bad in my youth. And the highlight for me was not the Metrodome, as you can imagine if you've been there. Instead, it was going to the Holiday Inn because they had a swimming pool. And standing near the edge of that swimming pool, and I can hear my dad still saying in my head as I'm standing here tonight, and I'm just a little boy, maybe three years old or so, he would say, go a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer. Just a little bit closer. Just a little bit closer. Now, those words, just a little bit closer, if you don't remember anything else that I'm about to say, just remember that. Because these words that end this three-part summary of always and in everything and every circumstance really are summarized by the thought just a little bit closer. Let me explain that in two ways. The first is, as Pastor Dan said, this book is written to people who are wondering, where is Jesus? He had told his disciples he was coming back, and yet they looked around and they thought, how is that possible? Our world is full of so much trouble. We've experienced, we see it all around. How is it possible that Jesus is coming back? And so if you would read the first part of this chapter, you would realize that that question is one that Paul addresses. He says, don't worry, Jesus is coming back, and you're a little bit closer than you were before. So as you look back over this year, and you think through all the things that you've been through, the good things, there's lots of very good things that have happened, there are a lot of troubling things that have happened, you can think to yourself, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, you're just a little bit closer to the return of Christ. And therefore, you can rejoice in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. But there's a second way he means it as well, and this is the primary way. This little bit closer is especially meant to be applied in all circumstances and our understanding of what's happening. Perhaps during this past year, some very troubling things have happened to you. Maybe you've struggled with your health in a way that was really dramatic. Maybe you lost your spouse. Maybe you failed in some grand way. And you thought to yourself, just on the level at which you perceive life, this is not what I want. This is terrible. I don't want to be here at all. There are circumstances in this past year where I said to myself, this is not what I desire. This is not good. This is not. This is not pleasing to me. But when Paul says to these Thessalonians, rejoice in every circumstance, be thankful in every circumstance, he is referring not only to the really good things, he's also talking about the really troubling thing. And the reason he can say, in every circumstance be thankful, in every circumstance rejoice, is because of the last half of verse 18, where he says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is that in every single circumstance, every single one, 
I'm not just saying that good and the easy ones. I'm saying even in the really, really difficult ones, God was still at work. Do you believe that? God was still at work. Even things that you could not have imagined, circumstances you would never want to repeat, Paul says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Now, if all I told you was that, you might think our God is a hard God. (laughs) But he says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And tonight I I want you to hear that gospel as you come close to the end of this year and as you reflect tomorrow and all the reasons to be thankful that those circumstances were not only the will of God for you, they were the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And that makes all the difference in our world. We're not just resigned to the fact that God is bigger and stronger and can force things upon us that we don't like. And so you just have to, you know, stiff upper lip, deal with it. No, Paul actually says the will of God for us is in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is when our God looks at us, he sees you as he sees his own son. He sees you as beautiful and wonderful and someone that he desires to bless. To put it this way, he says, in Christ Jesus, I am for you. I am absolutely for you. And in all the ways that God would choose to be for you, some of the most powerful are circumstances that we would not desire. We will look at the toolbox of God's work and say, I cannot see how God is for me in this. And so Paul tells us that's Thessalonians, but that's exactly true. Because the nature of the gospel is that Jesus is not only for us, but he's also with us. To put it in this way, in the middle of your worst suffering, you are not alone. Our Savior is with you. It's the nature of the incarnation by his spirit. He is with every single one of you. When you're lonely, when you're desperate, when you're troubled, when you feel like you're an absolute abject failure, when you look back on your health and your job and all the things that went wrong, think to yourself, but God had a will in this for me. And it was not to punish me or to isolate me or just make me live a terrible, troubled life. God was doing this because he loved me and desired to draw me to himself that I would see the glory of Jesus Christ more clearly. That I would become like Jesus. That I would be conformed to his image. So when I started, I said, you can think about this passage with this little phrase just a little bit closer. Now, the interesting thing about that is when I was a kid, I heard my voice, the voice of my dad saying just a little closer, and I always assumed that he wanted me to get to the edge where I was going to fall in. (laughs) Maybe you've had that feeling when you've heard your dad talk to you on the edge of the pool. But what I've come to realize is that my dad was just asking me to depend on him, to trust him. And whether it's in the grand scope of human history and you're wondering, well, where is Jesus? Is he coming back? Well, just a little closer. He's coming. And in your own circumstances, in all that it entails, in the good and the bad, it's our Savior not only calling us to draw closer, but he is also drawing closer to us. So I can say with you tonight, give thanks in all circumstances, every single one of them, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Andrew's going to come and speak, and if you're interested in giving a testimony after her, please come up after she's finished, and then we'll sing, and I'll close in prayer.
In all circumstances, even in this, where's God? This is a question my husband and I, Will, that we faced earlier this spring. We were overjoyed with the news that we were finally pregnant after 15 months of waiting and testing and waiting and testing. And we were excited to actually be able to tell our family out in Canada. Well, on the second day that we were there in Alberta, some sudden and really severe pain started to happen. And so because we want to make sure that baby was okay, my brother-in-law took us to ER. Well, because I was a foreigner, I was forced to go into the hospital alone. I was forced to sit in an isolation room alone, go through triage alone, go through ultrasounds and labs, etc., alone. But yet, I really wasn't. I distinctly remember being gowned up and walking back to the radiology with just this sinking pit feeling in my stomach. And yet, God brought to verse... God brought to mind the verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10. For I, the Lord your God, will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my upright hand. This is a verse that also comforted me um, back in 2019 doing, during our first miscarriage. Well, laying on that radiology table, you can kind of sense the technicians' expressions that they really weren't good. Here I was at six weeks, and I was kind of hoping I might even get a sneak peek of our baby even before my husband did. But when he said, well, there isn't really anything to see, you kind of start to think twice. When the on-call doctor then came in and he pulls up a chair next to your bedside, you know it's not really good news. Then when he says, well, I'm really glad you came in today, my heart kind of sank a little bit further. Our little six-and-a-half-week peanut was ectopic. It had implanted itself in my fallopian tube instead of my uterus, creating a major hazard to my health. Due to the size of the baby um, and that we needed to fly home, emergency surgery was all they recommended. It was not safe for me to travel. It was too risky that I might die. But even in this, God was there. How fortunate were we to be staying with family that they could care for our little daughter while we were away. We were given transportation, and as I was transferred to a bigger hospital, my, finally, my husband finally got to sit by my bedside and hold my hand. In all these little details, God was still there. Finally, after a long and laborious 12 hours, I remember being in the OR, and it was my first surgery in a foreign country. Staring up at the bright lights, and I remember thanking God that even though I didn't want them to take this baby from me, that God had already called that little one home, that we didn't have to make that decision. Even in these seemingly little details, God's already taken care of things. Even though our vacation to Canada ended up kind of being a nightmare and definitely something to remember, God wasn't done with our story. He was already aligning up his next move. When we conceived this little baby, doctors had kind of labeled me as unexplained secondary infertility. Well, suddenly, because we had the emergency surgery, we had answers. 
doctors didn't know what was going on, but now they were able to diagnose that my fallopian tubes were not working and that I had endometriosis. So now another three months later, I needed to undergo a second surgery, removing the abnormal tube and leaving us with only one functional tube. Well, in a typically um, healthy female, chances of conception with one tube is decreased to 80%. So even lower for me. After a long consult with the OB, we were told to proceed with caution because the chance of having another ectopic was 30%. We just kept getting thrown statistic after statistic. And yet, God kept telling us, be patient. Don't throw in the towel. Stand back and behold what I'm going to do. Fast forward yet another month, and now we have a consult with the infertility clinic, a place I was terrified to set foot in, let alone a place where I would ever be a patient. Here, Will and I were presented with the most viable option for us moving forward, IVF. Even in this appointment, God gave us yet another answer, that my other tube was still not functional. Our hopes and dreams of having a chaotic house full of little munchkins was slowly being taken away. Now, not every story has a happy ending, and even if this were not the case, I could easily end the story here, saying how much God spared my life, finally gave us answers, and is a God of power. But his ending of this chapter still wasn't complete. Our God is a God who defies statistics. As we know in Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. All of our lives are a call to faith. The testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, fast forward with me to November 22, 2022, yesterday. Will and I had yet another OB appointment, but one that was a little more joyful. We had the privilege of hearing a little heartbeat. Even in this, God has defied the odds and safely implanted a fourth little baby in my body that we anticipate holding in June. May God receive the glory for this story. Even in the joy and the sorrow, God is there. What I'm thankful for is I'm thankful for Jesus, that he can come into our hearts. And I'm also thankful for my friends and family and my dad because I love him so much. Thank you.
I'm thankful for my family and my school so I can learn. So I wanted to come up in the rejoicing part. Oh, sure. Vertically challenged. <laughs> I wanted to come up in the rejoicing um, part, but I think the even now part um, makes even more sense. Um, our year was sur- started out with Myron having surgery for his hip and had to be non-weight-bearing for three months. And then it was my turn for surgery on my hip. And just as I got back together and got to work, he all of a sudden became very ill and took nearly a week to find out in the hospital that he was full of staff and his kidneys were shutting down. And they kept checking his heart to see that his valves were working properly. And he was very near a death situation, and it was very frightening. And one day I was sitting there and, with him, and I just started lamenting and, and um, feeling very sorry for him. And his, his thought process wasn't even right. He couldn't read, and I mean, just so much was going on in his body. And he looked at me, and he said, Honey, God is working in this. I know he is. I have talked to nurses about the Lord. I have talked to a nurse about her childhood trauma. She brought this up to me, and I was able to talk to her about forgiveness. And all these things are happening in, in here, and God is working in this. He said, so stop it. And, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm the one that's the encourager, and I'm the one that does this, not you. You know, I'm like, well, what is happening here? So it was just like, God just used this, and he used this church family in amazing ways through, I mean, you guys put up with us through all these surgeries and kept bringing food and kept sending cards and kept just loving on us. And just, I mean, that is just the body of Christ, and it was just, you know, it was the worst of, you know, the best of times, the worst of times. I mean, just this church family just came in, and we're just so great, grateful and thankful to the Lord for healing after healing after healing and blessing after blessing from our brothers and sisters. So. I have the joy of giving you words tonight as we end our Thanksgiving Eve service. Um, Before we do that, I want to invite you to stand and sing with me. We're going to sing the goodness of God.
receive this blessing. As God's promised to you as you leave here and enter another year in which you can give thanks to him until next Thanksgiving Day. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.